We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. LL, what's good? The Honora boys are in the building. Welcome to the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I am your guy, Sean Davis at SD2 Mics. That dude, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire. We are brought to you and featuring Honora Whiskey, honorawhiskey.com. That premium American whiskey, honorawhiskey.com. And if you're going to drink, by all means, make sure that you drink responsibly gotta drink responsibly great show crossover day cfb nation state of recruiting lucky lefty podcast our brother from another mother john garcia jr joins us to talk about notre dame recruiting and national recruiting and next week two major dates on the 2nd of december and the 5th of december that will play a major role and some flips, some decommitments, and some new commitments. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about NIL and how it impacts Notre Dame. And then since you won't believe us, we'll let the recruiting guy and the recruiting expert tell you just how bad it was just a year ago for Notre Dame nationally on the recruiting trail. John Garcia Jr. joins us in a few. Then we'll talk about Marcus Freeman, preparation, Al Golden, and Tommy Reese are taking to prepare for USC. And I've been doing some digging left. I've been listening to some podcasts from the other side. Some yeah. very interesting takes. Some very interesting takes. Copying of pleas. Talking mm. about can they emotionally, it's going to be tough to emotionally get back up after facing such a tough team like UCLA and being in between the Pac-12 championship. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. No. I don't want to hear that. Y'all the number six, what, six team in the country? Yeah, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Then we'll close it out giving thanks. We'll close it out giving thanks. And we're going to give you the top five things we are thankful for in this season with Notre Dame. Lucky Lefty Podcast, we spin it different. That's right. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform 
with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Left CFP rankings. Normally, I would go through and talk about, you know, who's where, what team landed at this spot. I'm not going to do that. John Garcia Jr. is joining us shortly. So just go ahead and give your rant, bro. Notre Dame at 15. Go right ahead. Notre Dame at 15 is 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 too far from the from the the promised land in which I feel like we at this point in the season deserve to be. Uh looking at the teams that are what 14 through nine or 14 through eight, I don't think those teams are are better football teams than us. And if it's about putting the best teams in the top 10 or 12 or what yeah if it's about putting the best teams in the top 10 Notre Dame at this point in the season is a top 10 football team. And and out of the teams that I think that we're better than, to get into that eight or nine spot, we beat the people that are at the, the nine spot right now. So, or the eight spot right now. So I do think that we're only getting better and winning this weekend would prove why we should have been eight or nine going into this, uh, this matchup for a potential uh, eight or nine versus seven, or what are they? Six or seven? Or there's six. I, I think yeah, six. yeah. It, yeah. it should have been an eight versus six matchup with heavier playoff implications for both sides, not just uh, USC. I just like to point out that what we're watching is the TV wars playing out, mm. and. That things are going to play out in a way that the others are going to be upset, so upset that they're going to be forced back to the negotiating table to speed up the process. That's right. For the playoff expansion. That's what you're watching. The bias towards the SEC and the Big Ten, which is basically Fox and ESPN. Like, we can figure out all the teams and all that. Look, this is Fox and ESPN. That's right. Setting the stage to benefit them, benefit their programs, their conferences, and their teams. And it's obvious. It's so obvious. It's so, it's so obvious. obvious. Right? Fox didn't, uh, Fox didn't spend all that money in the offseason trying to get all them teams and games on their on they TV channel. They ain't, they ain't do all that. Yeah. They, they want the college football playoffs and everything to get on there. There is absolutely zero continuity with the committee, right? You can't – all things being considered, Hendon Hooker is no longer the quarterback of Tennessee. That's right. 
you can't convince me Tennessee is not a better team than LSU. They they beat them by 20 already. Head up. I don't care how much they lost to Georgia by. I don't care how much they lost to South Carolina by. Nope. They played you head up on the road in your stadium and smacked you. You can't convince me that you're better than Tennessee. You can't. You can't convince me that any team in front of Notre Dame up to number 10 is better than Notre Dame. Kansas State has the same amount of losses. How are they ranked ahead of Notre Dame? Alabama. You, you award Alabama for their good losses. And they and really I ain't never heard of no good loss. And they really don't have a credible win. They don't. How is Michigan ranked ahead of TCU? Okay, Michigan's in the top four. Fine. They're going to settle that this weekend. Yeah, so they should be far out of any playoff. So why in the world are they ranked ahead head of TCU? Just based on their strength of schedule. How? You got two teams in the same conference that are two and four. Both that have weak schedules because they play in the weak conference. <laughs> The conference that Notre Dame would struggle with, right? Right. Right. I wish we would play Michigan. Man, look. They'd probably bump us one spot for that. It's, it's really funny. The, the committee is all over the place. Uh, the one thing that I agree with, and I can only agree with it in theory to this point, is that Georgia is head and shoulders above everybody else. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's the right? only thing they got right, and that's because Georgia that, made it that they had to do that. And that has to play out on the field, yeah. right? It has to play out on the field. But Georgia's had a game against Oregon and a game against Tennessee, and neither one of them were close. No. Neither one of them. So in my opinion, Georgia has proven, you know what? That's us, and then there's everybody else. They still have to play the SEC championship game. <laughs> And they still have to go through the playoffs. But Georgia, in my opinion, would be favored against everybody else. That's right. Everybody. Everybody. And I don't think it would be close. I don't Ohio State might be. If Ohio State played Georgia, they probably would be a three to four point underdog. If I had to guess right now. If you had to guess. Michigan would probably start off as a touchdown underdog. Right? Because you saw what they did to Michigan last year. What's changed? What's changed? TCU would probably be a two-touchdown underdog to Georgia. Probably three because it's the Big Ten, the Big 12. Look. That's the only thing. Max Duggan, really, in comparison to these great defenses. You already see it. They would love to have two teams from the Big Ten and or SEC in the playoffs. Yeah, that's just what it is. And that's setting the stage. Because to have LSU even sniffing around there, come on, man. LSU should probably be right. Wherever Tennessee is, LSU should be right there. Right there at eight or nine. LSU should be right there. 
Penn State, I I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Did Jay not see that Purdue game? <laughs> I don't get it. I just don't get it with Penn State. I don't. Must, James Franklin must have a send nice Christmas cards to the committee every year. Cause they they steady just keeping him around, hoping yeah. they be relevant, hoping for the yeah. day Penn State can live up to the huge expectations the college football committee holds them to every single year. And you know the crazy thing about it, left. As much as we banged Clemson, I think they're being mistreated. Yeah. As much uh, as we bank, as much as we show a level of disrespect all week leading up to the Clemson game and then the days afterwards, I think they should be ranked higher. Yeah, because Michigan's, Michigan's too high and TC's too high. TCU's too high to even make me feel comfortable that they're yeah, I'm not, legitimately. I'm, from a resume standpoint, I understand why you could put TCU at four. From a resume standpoint, because you're saying they've beaten ranked teams and their resume says this. Okay, if that's the way you want to go about it, fine. But you can't show me the resume of Alabama and then tell me they deserve to be ranked ahead of Clemson. If we're using the same criteria, you yeah. can't. So now you're picking and choosing when you want to apply certain criteria to certain teams and situations. And that's just not equitable. It's not. It's not equitable. It's not fair. And that's where the problem comes into. And that's where you start to peel the layers of this process back. And ultimately, they want to, they want to speed up the process on this 12-team playoff. Yeah, I mean, this is just opening the door for why they need a 12-team playoff bracket. Absolutely. Or at least more than four because they're – the jig is up. The jig is up, especially for the college football committee and how they're choosing these four teams. The jig is up. It's too obvious. Yeah. It's just way too obvious at this point how biased they go about and 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 really trying to cultivate the what they want to see. It's not about what you want to see. For a second. Lucky Lucky Podcast, John Garcia on his way in a minute. Brought Ooh, to you, you by Nora Whiskey and NoraWhiskey.com at Premium American Ooh. Whiskey and NoraWhiskey.com. You're literally watching. You're literally watching the battle of the TV networks unfold right before your very eyes when you watch these CFP rankings and the way they're setting up different narratives to play out with the way they rank teams. At the end of the day, all you can ask for when you're judging teams and you're looking at programs and you're trying to rank things is uniformity. That's all you can ask for. Be uniform and transparent. That's right. And the way they've been disjointed and being able to differentiate the teams and the rankings and using certain criteria for this team but not using the same criteria for another team, it just goes to show yeah. that it is indeed time. Everything plays out, right? We, we've we gone from the UP, the coaches poll and the media poll, 
right? And having split titles, right? People got tired of that. Then we went to the BCS, computers mixed with polls, right? Right? That would give us the BCS championship game. And we got tired of that. Tired of that. Now, college football playoff for get tired of that. You expand to 12, 8, 12, whatever it's going to end up being. People are going to get tired of that, right? Eventually. Today, well, if there was a 12 playoff, if there was a 12-team playoff today, Notre Dame fans would be livid right now. Livid. Sitting yeah. at 15. Living. Right? Because Notre Dame is one of the hottest teams in the nation. And they would be livid sitting behind the teams that are sitting behind. So I do think the bracket, the 12 team, 18 bracket will be good, but you gotta put the 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 committee that decides who puts who gets in those bracket uh slots, the right people, the people that's not geared off of the TV rights, but geared off of what is gonna be college football, right? I can tell you now, you're never getting away, you're never never going to have playoffs without the TV networks being involved. That's not happening. <laughs> that's never happening. That's that's never happening. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Go to CFB Nation right now for all of our great content available. Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hit the notification bell or hit the automatic download and you'll get all the great content immediately. Immediately. Leave comments. Five stars. We greatly appreciate you. And now we welcome in our brother, best in the business, host of the State of Recruiting podcast over at CFB Nation. He's also a college football analyst over at SI Now and the curator of the SI 99 recruiting list, John Garcia Jr. We welcome you back to the Lucky Lefty podcast, bro. How are you doing? I'm doing well, fellas. Yeah, I, man, uh, I was listening in earlier. Totally right. Totally right. If that thing went to 12 and Kansas State is sitting at 12 over ND, whew, that's, um, yeah, that's something. That's something. The and crimes wonder, that will be committed in college football. <laughs> you're like, you're talking about TV. Um, yeah, that would be flipped. Uh, no disrespect to, to Little Manhattan. That's been a great ride this year. But, yeah, uh, I think among the three lost teams, you can make a pretty solid argument for for Notre Dame to be uh, ranked pretty much uh, as that first three loss team. But hey, it's Kansas State right now. Um, and then Utah. Wow, Utah as well. So, yeah, yeah. with a bad loss to Florida, right? Absolutely. That's interesting. Terrible loss to Florida. So, John, let's go ahead. We're going to dive into this recruiting. There are two dates coming up on December 2nd and December 5th that a lot of college football fans should be locked into the transfer portal. Well, the first one is the opening of the transfer portal for FCS mm-hmm. players. And that's key because a lot of FCS players are looking to get up to FBS teams, power five teams and get on those rosters. And that starts before December the 5th when the portal opens up for the FBS schools. So talk about the importance of those two dates and how it impacts recruiting moving forward as we lead up to national signing day. Yeah, to me, guys, if if you are a recruit that has an offer and you're thinking about this school, those are two dates you need to keep in mind. I know the 21st is the early signing period, but the boards will change after December 2nd and especially December 5th, right? The boards will change. So if you're a bubble guy, 
Like if you just got your offer from your school, you should think about jumping on board in the next two weeks because uh, it's going to change in a very big way. And those numbers don't move, right? It's still 85. So you, you've got to consider doing something a little bit sooner in my opinion, but look, the FCS portal is, is going to be hectic. Uh, it is. Oh, it was always hectic even before the portal era, right? There was always FCS players who were overlooked, you know, and, and, and proved that they were, they were truly sleepers. They should have been at the FBS level. So they just kind of play their way up, uh, if you will. Obviously, the, the path is a little bit easier now with the portal. And we saw some really big uh, players make those moves just last year when the portal was still we're, – we're still trying to navigate, you know, just how it works w- without a specific date where it opened up. You know, I look at Cam Ward, the quarterback at Washington State. You know, he was – at the Incarnate Word uh, down in Texas. Uh, Jared Verse was at Albany. He's now like, he was FSU's best pass rusher this year and in kind of their resurgence. So um, the FCS players obviously are, are going to have a, a big impact. And, and look, Jackson State's in the FCS, right? So um, eventually that's going to be a big date for that school in particular, if and when Dion uh, makes his move. So um, that's an important date to look at here going forward. Um, and then obviously the fifth, the floodgates, right? The, the floodgates are opening. We're already seeing a lot of players uh, make their own statements uh, about wanting to jump in come December 5th. So they're trying to get ahead of the curve because obviously once that date comes, uh, a lot of names will be flooded into, into the transfer portal. So uh, it's going to be hectic. I think everyone is going to take a look and reassess and then refresh that thing every single day because you are, again, whether you're at the very, very top or the very bottom, there's always room to improve your roster. And in this climate of college football, you have to consider all those options at all times. Uh, so when there's an actual date associated with it, you really have to be ready because it's going to be it's going to be like a sneaker release or, or you know, ticket sales for you know the, the concert. You got to come in and get in right now, right now, right when it opens up, uh, because these kids are going to be making decisions, visits all that stuff and setting it up immediately. Uh, of course, some are being set up right now uh, off the record, but on the record, they're going to be able to set and take more visits um, come December 5th and decisions are going to come soon after that point. So you throw in the portal, NIL, the carousel, re- high school recruiting, it's going to be a wild month of December and college football, just like it did last year, will change heading into 23. Are you shocked that schools like Wisconsin and or Auburn, knowing that these dates are approaching, haven't gone ahead and solidified their coaching situation to be able to take advantage of the portal when they open? Well, I think so. I think the reason you let go of a coach early is to have more time to figure it out for this weekend. It's like it's building up to this weekend. Um USC last year, obviously, um, let's go Clay Helton. I think in September, that was like the first big one. And then right after Oklahoma loses Bedlam in that crazy game, Lincoln Riley's gone, right? So you you have to – you got to hit, and you got to hit quick because of those windows. Now, you do get a little bit more time with the early signing period. You know, it's the 21st. I think last year was like the 14th or 15th. So you get an extra week to recruit the high school kids, but the portal will be incredibly active. So I think this weekend in particular is one where you could start to look for things to get settled. I think in Wisconsin's case, there's still a lot of, last time I checked, there's still a lot of in-house folks who want Jim Leonard to just keep the job, right? Interim coach 
Um, same thing with Nebraska, Mickey Joseph, although that one I think is a, a bit more of an uphill climb. Um, so I think those are a little bit more cut and dry. Uh, I don't know why they haven't announced it. If, if you're going to promote the guy who's already got the gig, just announce it, right? Um, so maybe they're waiting on who else gets fired to see if there's another candidate they may like. Um, but Auburn, I mean, I saw one report saying that, um, you know, the Egg Bowl for, for Ole Miss and Mississippi State is, is Thanksgiving night. Um, so technically that's it for the regular season for Lane Kiffin. So if he's the guy at Auburn, could they do something that weekend or even before the weekend, right? Um, Friday morning, Saturday morning, but then of course the iron bowl is going down on Saturday. So how does that affect kind of your team, right? Do you wait till Sunday morning to do it? Um, that one will be fascinating. We've seen obviously a ton of reports on both sides of, of that conversation, but yeah, I think the sooner the better if you know the guy, if you've gotten your guy, if you got rid of your previous coach and did the work behind the scenes that you have to do to find your guy, um, then I think, yeah, announcing him as soon as possible is, is advantageous because when you do it on the other side, you're playing catch up and you're not able to not only hit the portal the right way, but even finish recruiting very well. You're, you start relying on the February date where, you know, what, 20% of the kids are available compared to right now where they're all unsigned, of course. So you're really putting yourself behind the eight ball the longer you wait. Um, so I, I think it's going to be fascinating, but I do think we're going to get decisions, particularly I think Wisconsin, again, if you're promoting Leonard, just do it right now. I think that will be maybe the first of these jobs to, to be wrapped up. Um, and then all eyes will be uh, down in SEC country after that. Yeah, because situations like, Wisconsin with Jim Leonard because I think if I'm not mistaken I think Lance Leopold got an extension yep this morning so for me that signals you know Lance Leopold was one of the big time targets that you thought Wisconsin would hold out for he gets the extension now you think okay Wisconsin and Jim Leonard makes sense with Leopold out of the way and then you have Notre Dame hovering over Wisconsin commits that are waiting to see what Wisconsin does with the coaching staff, and you're giving Notre Dame more room to make up ground without making a decision. So I'm just shocked. I, it's a no-brainer for me with Jim Leonard. Uh, he played there. Right, yeah. And base loves him. And they, they look better. They, they look, better look better. With the him. effort is increased. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that one that one's the weirdest one to me because it, it seems like it's the easiest to solve. But yeah, maybe it was it was Leopold was kind of the white whale they were trying to grab, you know, the, right. the lofty uh, target. But yeah, that that seems off the books right now. Although extensions don't necessarily end the process either, so that that's yeah. that's something to consider as well. I think Lane Kiffin just got I think he got offered an extension, but he didn't sign it yet, which is okay. you know uh, is very weird. Lane Kiffin to say the least. Yeah. How does how does the transfer portal the the and all the portals really affect college football coaching? Or do you, would you see uh, coaches have more of a carousel, or would you see uh, schools and universities try harder to keep uh, the coaches that are you know potentially ready for that next step? That's a great question, right? Because we see you see a first wave. Okay, look, take Notre Dame or take any school that has a first year coach. You see a bit of a wave when the transition happens, right? But then you see a bigger wave after that first year. Because, yeah. you know, there's a group of kids that's like, well, let me give them a chance. Let me just see if 
the culture gets better or if, if I can play more or whatever it is that they're looking for, um, they kind of wait it out. But if it doesn't go well, like like Miami right now, some of these other schools, you're going to see a bigger wave this time around. Um, so I think that that becomes part of the reasoning to, to maybe hold on to coaches. But at the same time, that leash to win is shorter than it's ever been. So it's it's really for an AD, uh, it's really a catch 22 uh, in that regard. I think that it it just brings more to me more credence to those coaches that have been there and done that in college. I think you wanting to pull from the NFL or hire the, the young hotshot coordinator um, is, is always going to be a thing, but because of the portal and those relationships, getting a, a coach who is a known recruiter and has hit the portal already, I think those coaches are going to have added value, which is why, again, Leopold makes so much sense, right? D3 champion, I mean, gosh, turning around Kansas alone, you know, you deserve your own statue uh, in the football uh, wing. But uh, I think those coaches are the ones that are going to just create more momentum for themselves because they've already gone through those things. Because, um, again, like we talked about on the last pod, uh, it's just roster management's a nightmare. There's really no other way to put it. So if you're an AD trying to select the coach, Malik, you're like, yeah, this guy – this guy isn't winning, but yeah, he knows these players. Maybe if you're recruiting above your your on-field product, like a Texas A&M is probably a good example. Um, yeah. How much of that, how much of the number one class last year is being weighed in? Well, maybe the best is coming at A&M. We just haven't seen it yet. You, you have to assume that that's part of the reasons why Fisher's still there. Of course, beyond the thousand million billion dollar contract that, that he signed. Lucky Lefty Podcast, John Garcia Jr., CFB analyst from SI Now, also the curator of the SI99 list, and my brother over at CFB Nation. Go over to CFB Nation right now. Available, Apple Podcasts, and also Spotify. All the great content is there. Leave us five stars and enjoy State of the Recruiting, Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spin it different. Let's move on to name, image, and likeness, one of the hottest topics when it comes to transfer portal, transfer transfer portals, and also traditional recruiting. We're going to do this because all week there's been rumors coming out of uh, Ben Geyer about a certain player, mm. and I have said that I'm no longer talking about this player. If he signs, he signs. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Talking about girlfriends, best friends, all of this other stuff. <laughs> NIL. Look, yeah. please explain. Like, do us a favor. Because at this point, we're out of breath when it comes to NIL and Notre Dame. Like, it's nothing else we can say. Please explain how you feel the NIL conversation nationally and the NIL conversation when it comes to Notre Dame. Please explain where it stands now and whether or not it is a detriment to Marcus Freeman and this staff in the 23 class and the 24 class. I actually want to start there because there's really two ways that schools are handling NIL, very publicly or very privately. And the schools that are kind of at or near the mountaintop 
are more likely to be private about it, including Notre Dame, as opposed to those trying to get there that are going to be more public about it. Tennessee, Nebraska, AM, Miami. The list goes, Ole Miss, the list goes on and on. That's Ole Miss's biggest rallying cry for Lane Kiffin is like, well, the collective is is booming now, all of a sudden. Um, you you won't hear that out of Notre Dame. You won't hear that come out because of just the culture and how business is handled with a school of that prestige. Um, so I think normally that wouldn't matter, right? To adults, to professionals, to businessmen and women, that wouldn't matter because you would do the work and, and dig into it yourself to form your own opinion. But in recruiting, perception is everything. Perception is where you live. It's where you breathe. It's where you stay. Um, the perception of Oregon being a flashy offensive team that's going to look good and, and play fast and all that has survived how many coaches now? Four? Four since Chip Kelly? Yeah. Um, it, that perception is, is hard to break, uh, especially when it's positive, right? Or, or very negative, right? Kansas, we just talked about. So if the perception has to do with how publicly your NIL is presented, then Notre Dame's going to be hurt by NIL always, even though, again, alumni, network, truly being involved. Malik, my gosh, you can speak to this for a whole pod. Yeah, <laughs> you know the reach. The reach is it's global. It's it's international, right? But it's so different than an NIL situation, right? Because it has to come together. It has to, you have to be aligned for it, and, and that's yeah. where the the difference between the coaches and the administration is starting to show. Because that alignment is what creates that unanimous perception boost. Uh, coaches talk about it at the press conferences they're showing up to the events hosted by the collective it's just it's all in unison on on the same page um and again those mountaintop schools haven't done that uh notre dame alabama even ohio state clemson i haven't seen a line that that way to where everything is is very much right there it doesn't have to be in your face but it's at least reachable it's not quite there yet um so a disadvantage in a sense of course. Like, why, why would nick saban want things to change yeah right like why would he want nil to become a big factor when he's banging every like he's <laughs> him and kirby are killing everybody yeah yeah that's the last thing they want to come to the forefront i'm sorry go right no, I, you're I, right you're right right why why does it have to be why isn't it in-house anymore is their argument right because yeah. Remember, while there can be an alignment with the collective or whatever the group is, it can't be used as a tool, right? So it can't come up from the coaches, obviously big asterisk, you know, <laughs> bold, underlined, all that. From the coaches, that can't be used as a tool. So uh, Brent Venables at Oklahoma can't be like, okay, hey, uh, Peyton, um, you're, you're going to you're going to sit here and you're going to graduate in three years and you're going to have your jersey retired and win the Heisman. Um, and then also you're going to make half a million dollars just for keeping your scholar. You know, that part can't happen. Right. Again, it can't happen. Mm -hmm. It's not supposed to happen. How do you police it? If it is happening, you, you tell me. Um, but yes, it's a huge disadvantage for those, the has-beens or those at the mountaintop because it's not publicly in your face. Uh, and then privately, it, it can't be an extension of the coaching staff. And when the coaching staff has already done it and without NIL, now it's a new wrinkle for them to compete with because now these other schools are being 
involved they're being lumped into these top fives and these official visits with kids that they would never have to combat those kind of schools with right um i saw i saw a kid put out a top five with uh two hbcus in his home state uh he's from mississippi kid two hbcus in his home state and like three pac-12 schools now when else have you seen a kid respecting his home state and the hbcus which we love to see but then also having multiple Pac-12 schools involved, and you know which Pac-12 school, right? So it's 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 totally changed the game of who even has a shot for recruit. So yeah, Saban, Kirby, Dabo, Jimbo, why would they want that to start to factor in? So when you are not aligned publicly, it really hurts because kids talk, and and the numbers get tossed around. We've all had texts, I'm sure, in the last week of some kind of dollar amount for some kid. Right. Uh, Whether it's true or not, the numbers are only growing like everything else does. So to get back to my original point, that perception really pulls you one way or the other. So a kid in L.A. might be like Louisville and Tennessee and A&M are my final three schools to where that would never happen before NIL. And that's not a knock on those schools. I, I applaud. Hey. This is legal now. Team's trying. (laughs) This is legal now, and folks are behind us. uh, So go for it, right? Go get it. Go, go change the game. Uh, And obviously, I'm for all these kids getting as much as they possibly can legally. Um, That would never happen otherwise. But the perception says this kid got this deal at this school. Now I'm interested in that school. You know, Um, there's a kid in Venice, Florida. I'm not going to say his name. Yeah, I wasn't even looking at a school and he said oh i heard this kid got this deal at texas they're in my top five now never been i don't even know if he had the offer uh they were now in his in his top group uh again texas very public with with some of their deals so i think all of that factors into the perception and perception is big in recruiting just like the on-field product just like the status and stability of your head coach all that stuff really weighs in perceptionally. And, and yeah, NIL is right at the forefront of it. And that is exactly what the old school didn't want. They didn't want to see that happen. So now it becomes get on board or get left behind for all the other schools. So now there's a second wave of schools trying to be aligned with either one collective or a group of collectives uh, publicly to try to kind of combat that. We've seen it at Auburn very publicly, right? Like yeah. off-season, ton of questions. Brian Harson off the field scandal, just craziness, just a lot of negativity. No NIL collective was stable there just yet. There was actually two, I think, going back and forth. So on top of the perception of coaches unstable, now on top of that, NIL is not working either. So Auburn had like two commits going into the season. So they have now doubled down on on the collective they have aligned with and. Auburn's getting commits without a head coach. Uh, when their interim, Cadillac Williams, I mean, we all know is not going to be the new coach, the new head coach. So um, it, it's really fascinating to see it play out that way. But until you're aligned publicly and the perception kind of grabs it, it hurts the Notre Dames of the world every single time. But yeah. I do think what changes and what sticks with us, specifically Notre Dame, is winning. We've seen the NIL boost some of these teams up, i.e. Texas A&M, i.e. Texas, and some of these other places, and losing has still taken place in those programs where that money don't matter. Yeah. Where the money doesn't matter. And I think that's what Marcus Freeman hopefully can continue to put at the forefront of the program. 
if we're not going to be aligning with special interest groups to be funding these players that can up and leave at any point, winning's got to be there because winning is going to keep people and kids in the focus of, well, yeah, all these NRDL deals coming out left and right field, but I'm not really worried about that because as long as we're winning, I know, you know, things are going to come out and come. I think that's the only message in in college football that we can stand on still in 2022 with all through the midst of all the crazy stuff and say, well, we still got our foundation of kids that want to be here because of winning, because we are still winning. And I think, you know, the NIL money and especially the people putting the NIL money out there for kids is going to change fast if they keep seeing repeat performances of a Texas A&M. They may have gave out the most money. And now they don't even have people coming to the game. Some of those kids are leaving right now, by the way. And like, they're leaving right December now. December 5th, this is not a shot. I, I I have it in my inbox. They're going to lose some, especially those out-of-state kids. That's the other part of it, right? Because now what if you don't follow up? Or yeah, it doesn't work, you know, on the field. So, yeah, that's that's a big part of it, right? If, if Texas A&M was 10-2 and two and the money's rolling, you know, everybody's I mean, look at Tennessee. I feel like Tennessee going down the drain pretty soon, too. Yeah. All they bought and paid for talent is either hurt or they losing, and it's like, oh, I mean, I can go get a bag somewhere else. So I think, right. unless they turn into club teams like these European leagues, <laughs> it's just gonna be hard to keep. Maybe uh, one day foundation football and NIL and all this extra stuff uh, one in the same. Yeah, that's a great point. I and I still think NFL is worth worth a lot more than NIL, right? Um, mm. Like you said, winning winning is is still very much high on the list for these kids, but they really want to be developed and have a shot. They want to have a shot uh, at playing on Sundays, uh, and that still matters more. So, the NIL graphic of one school still will not compare to the you know first round graphic that Georgia put out last year with those six guys going in round one. That will still carry more weight with a, with a ring on top of it of course that'll carry more weight than than some of these nil graphics but you know every kid is different too right everybody's looking for something different um you can get a bag at just about any power five school you go to but yeah how how important the size of it may be and how easily you can acquire it those are going to factor in but i i do think yeah low lar- large and 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 mostly these kids still want to win and they want to play for schools that represent that. So that's why when you look at the rankings and recruiting, it's kind of the same names, right? There's some wrinkles right. and sprinkles of other teams, but it's, it's ND, it's Bama, it's Georgia, it's Ohio state. It, it's the same schools, Clemson in there. And then your Texas's, your Miami's are, are creeping into that Tennessee, as you mentioned, Malik, they're creeping into that a little bit top 10 ish, but is that going to be consistent or is it going to be like AM last year where it was a one-year deal and now this year they have like 11 commitments? You know what? I am a dreamer. I've always been a dreamer. And even as the landscape changes, I still believe that young kids want to go to schools that their hearts are connected to, whether it's the program, the staff, the legacy, the winning. I still believe the vast majority of 16, 17-year-olds want to follow their heart. To a program so even with nil in place a lot of the times i look at the people around the young kids more than i look at the kids Bingo. right the kids are kids man like this isn't a new breed of kids kids are kids yeah. they're always going to want to go where they're loved appreciated and where they see the same things that athletes 20 years ago 
saw when they made their decisions. But now when you get to an age where a kid commits and then the school that he commits to, he comes back to them and says, well, man, this school is doing this. Can you match it? Now I'm like, no, nah, but see, the crazy thing is, John, if a school says that's not how we operate, now they're the bad guy right? in this new landscape. Like, having integrity now, it's like... And remember, the they guy. can't talk about it. They, they right. can't talk about it. It's not supposed to go through them. It's and Again, it's really... That's, I think, a big misconception. Like, the, the coaches can't recruit using that tool and... That for most schools and most states, the money has to kick in when you're there and enrolled and you've been accepted and you've graduated high school, right? So it's not, you know, the Pony Express, here's the duffel bag, here's a Trans Am, what, you know, that kind of stuff, which again, that's still happening. Of course, we're not ignorant to that, but for NIL, it's when you're in college, you know, so it's promised money. It's not dollar bills in your face to sway you in that regard either so right like you said sean when you're talking about matching it you're matching promises at this point right yeah. so of course kids are going to be uh you know they're, they're going to be lied to right i mean let's just be honest they're going to be lied, yeah, to. They're gonna so be lied to there's going to be when these the portal opens <laughs> up again it goes back to the first point we made when the portal opens up you're gonna be like that kid played and played at that school hmm, what what's what's going on there right you know so those are going to be factors as as well yeah. Is there a chance that they'll ever cap the amount of NIL players on a team? Maybe that'll help keep some stability on some of these teams. Because like you said, you got guys that played in championship games yes. last year, leave the week after. Crazy. So, I mean, <laughs> no loyalty in any aspect in college football, it seems like, even with winning in some cases, but maybe limiting some of the NIL athletes' uh or the amount that you can have or give out in a particular offseason maybe be uh, something that they can help the situation with. Because, I mean, if that's the case, I don't know how you're going to keep on to any player. It should be a year-by-year, year, just huge shuffle every year. But, you know, at the end, the kids lose because not everybody's getting picked up in that transfer report. Yeah, it's hot, but I don't mean it's hot for you. <laughs> Some kids go be, you know, uh, really SOL when, you know, even if they're trying to think about an in-conference team or a team that they've been talking to, so much changes that, you know, these coaches is is, is masterful in, in, in how they go about choosing their words. They're almost politician-like and, and getting the kid interested or getting the kid to think that they're on their way over there and then, you know, a drop of a hat and a different kid getting the transfer portal, it can be over. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's, it's getting more and more uh, slippery and a slippery slope in terms of finding the right place for you. Yeah. They, they got to do something, right? I think we all recognize that um, that this, the, the portal windows I think are now going to affect things a little bit, but for NIL, yeah, there, there has to be something put into it. But the problem was, when they opened it, there was like there was no rules other than it can't come from the coaches, and that's it. Um, so because of that, um, yeah, it's it's become a much bigger deal than maybe everybody anticipated. Even those schools that were that were aligned, the collectives were ready to roll and, and dish out the cash. Even for them, I think it was a bigger deal and more fluid than they expected. Much less everybody else. So yeah, there's going to be some kind of 
cap uh, or 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 public nature of this thing. It's or have a luxury have public with your deals. Like the NFL, NBA, you know, right. exactly you know, that eight million mark. You done gave out too much money. Now we getting luxury yes. tax. You to take scholarships or something. Right. So, there's there's going to be some like regulation. I, I just don't know when or what it can be. Like, what do you even start with with the, with this issue, right? Um, is it is it turn into a rev share, redistribution of the money? What say do the players have in those decisions that are going to come in and come down uh, from the NCAA? There's, there's a whole lot to dig into with that. So it's just as much as we think NIL's changed this thing forever, there's another side of it where it's almost like get what you can now because – it, it's going to change. It's just a matter of how much it, it's going to change and how uh, how it will affect the individual program and player specifically. I, I'm, I'm guaranteeing that the presidents and the networks will get involved with NIL when these new TV contracts start kicking in. So they definitely don't want to share the bulk of that money with the players. Mm-hmm. Like you, You'll start to see some legislation to minimize the damage, you know, so that they can keep the bulk of that money. I And right before the expansion of the playoffs, like they understand what's coming, you know, the powers that be. And they're like, okay, we can let it be the wild, wild west right now. But before we start, you know, receiving this new revenue and this new, you know, cash coming into our institutions, we're going to have to put something in place or we're going to take it in the butt. Like <laughs> we're going to get caught with our pants down. Because these players understand, they're watching, and they understand what's coming. They understand what's coming. So once again, we have John Garcia Jr. on with us. And, John, I'm going to ask you this, and then we'll let you go. What do you have to be thankful for right now, man, with recruiting and the way things are? Like, is it better than it was two years ago? Is the access better? Like, what are you most thankful about? as far as recruiting and covering college football? Wow. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. I have been asked that. I think ever I have been asked that, um, but, you know, I'm just thankful for the opportunity. Um, you know, this industry 25 years ago didn't exist. I think it was, uh, like 900 numbers that you would call and you would pay like a dollar a minute. You know, remember those you pay a dollar a minute to hear, and it wasn't even information on recruits. It was just like the names of recruits that were coming. I, I remember um, Kirk McNair was one of my old bosses. He he ran um, Alabama Magazine, so he was covering the Crimson Tide. And he would just read off the commitment list because he had it, because he was close to the AD. So he just happened to have the commitment list. And he would read that off, and there was a 900 number that people called in and paid to just see who who's coming. Not even – who might be new or anything like that. Just, yeah, these guys signed. Here you go. <laughs> so it's come a long way, obviously. Um, so I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity and the platform to, to opine, to, to talk about recruiting, to evaluate, uh, obviously thankful to, you know, the audience, you know, you guys pay our bills. So <laughs> appreciate you guys the most. Um, and then obviously the kids, right. You know, to be uh, a fly on the wall for some of these kids has been uh, fantastic, you know, going into, um, where these kids live or their hometowns and just kind of seeing how they, how they're living, how they come up is, is amazing. I've seen kids with, um, you know, Mercedes in high school that are great kids to talk to. And I've seen kids that their only meal is the power bar that their head coach gives them after second period. 
um, I've seen those kids, you know, you know, overcome everything. Uh, so it's 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 beautiful to see the full spectrum of just the human element of college football recruiting because it's such a business, so many dollars, so many eyeballs, like we always talk about. But it's still, you know, we're still journalists telling a human story at the end of the day. So most thankful to be a part of that in in the sport that I've loved since I was five years old. So thankful for all those elements uh, and chopping it up with you guys, of course. Man, that's indeed a blessing. I do want to promote your latest podcast in which you talked about Miami, Oregon, and Notre Dame, three schools, and being able to close on their promising classes. And they all have one common link, first-year head coaches trying to do that. Just touch on that a little bit and how difficult it might be for them to keep everything intact with everything you just mentioned with NIL, the portals and roster construction, how difficult is it going to be for those head coaches to yeah. keep their recruiting classes intact? And three very different seasons, right? For those, yeah. those first year coaches, my gosh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, first of all, you know, Kenny Minchie was kind of the big fish dangling that we were, we were talking about for that pod. Obviously that shoe dropped uh, yesterday. So shout out to him and the Irish for answering that question, that was a big deal. But I just think there's a, a long way uh, or a lot of names ahead for Notre Dame, um, Oregon, Florida, Miami to be able to cash in on before it's all said and done. But, yeah, all of them are also at the same time dealing with just trying to hold on to their guys. Uh, that's mm -hmm. the fascinating part of all of this. We know there's going to be flips. We know kids are going to change their minds. Miami just went through it, losing their quarterback, Jaden Rashada, to the Florida Gators. Um, so that's something that – is going to be fascinating to watch down the stretch. So as much as you're trying to add, you're trying to hold on to at the same time. So when the dust settles, it'll be amazing to look at those commitment lists today and then on December 21st and how different they may be with, with both additions and uh, and some, some big, big subtractions that are that are inevitably coming for, for all those schools. But I do think all of them are going to fall forward and probably finish in the top 10, which if you would have said preseason – you'd probably be surprised that all, all three would finish in the top 10. And then during the season, you'd probably be more surprised that all of them were going to finish uh, in, in the top 10 in recruiting. So fascinating as always. And uh, yeah, that was uh, the last pod. We just recorded the next one about the crazy quarterback dominoes that all of a sudden are falling again. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned Rashada, Kenny Minchie, uh, Brock Glenn flipped from Ohio State to Florida State. Um, and Ohio State's going to try to flip another one. Florida dropped a quarterback for using the N-word on a video. That's just crazy. They got Jalen Rashada. They try to throw it in there. You know they just because they got Jalen Rashada. That's what some say. I didn't I didn't yeah. say it, but some Wait, say look, it. Well, They try to, you know, these you got QB1. QB2 made a mistake, and, and yeah. he's paying big for it. He lost a scholarship. So there's a lot to talk about still with, with quarterback recruiting, and we usually don't get that this time of year. Yeah. Usually it's pretty settled until the carousel opens up. But even before the carousel, the QB dominoes are still flying in, in 2023. So that's, that's what we're talking about next. Well, John, we appreciate you joining us. And uh, how would you characterize in one word the difference between how Notre Dame is viewed now versus how it was viewed one year ago. Mm. I think energy. Energy. There's there's more of a galvanized force at Notre Dame now. It feels like um, it, it was a bit stale a year ago. And, and previously, I think it was a bit not stale. It was just steady, not in a bad way. 
uh, just in a kind of good enough way, not not maybe approaching the ceiling that that school and that brand should should enjoy. Right. Uh, so I think this class and next class, we're, we're going to see what that ceiling could could maybe look like when everything kind of aligns and, and gets rolling together. So, uh, yeah, right. I think energy is the word I'd go with because it feels it feels different when these kids talk about Notre Dame now than, than when they used to. That's John Garcia. Go right now. State of Recruiting, State of Recruiting podcast, CFB Nation. You can check out all the great content. He just talked about the new podcast that he just recorded. That's about to drop. You have all holiday season, <laughs> all holiday, all weekend. Leading up to the USC matchup, primetime Saturday night. You can check it out. Once again, no one does it better when it comes to recruiting than our brother on CFB Nation, State of Recruiting, John Garcia Jr. Check him out and check out all of our great content over at CFB Nation via Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Go right now, CFB Nation, Lucky Lefty Podcast, State of Recruiting. John, we greatly appreciate you. We always love having you on. We look forward to seeing you next week as we get closer to the transfer portal. And then into the great podcast about the quarterbacks. It's crazy because I hope these young men aren't sending themselves off thinking they're going to start as a freshman when they need to sit. Oh, they think they will. Well, we'll get into that next time. John Garcia, have a great holiday, great weekend, man. We appreciate you. Likewise, fellas. Thanks for having me. Have a great show. And, uh, yeah, enjoy some – some uh, some ball. It's gonna be a good one. I was gonna say turkey, but we don't eat. I don't. I don't even eat turkey on Thanksgiving. Is that a no, thing? Really? I'm Am like, I like weird for that? that going? No, because I my family, the men in my family, we eat goose. Okay, goose. we eat pork. Yeah, we okay. eat lechon. You know, I'm Caribbean. Um, yeah. yeah, we. That's it's the best pig of the year that day and Christmas Eve for us. So yeah, turkey's yeah. not even on the menu. But enjoy whatever protein whatever you, eat. <laughs> you choose, uh, fellas. Appreciate y'all. All right, blessings, bro. Take care. That is John Garcia Jr., SI now CFB analyst, host of the State of Recruiting podcast at CFB Nation. Hey, bro, I'm glad he explained it. <laughs> and, and to let people know, like, look, things weren't trending well from a recruiting standpoint, the way Notre Dame was viewed nationally right. in the recruiting landscape. So are you ready for our top five things? Top five things we are thankful for when it comes to Notre Dame football. Number five, we are thankful for the screen poppers that exist in the 2023 and 2024 classes. You're 100%. You better believe it. You better Man, believe it. you talk about the athleticism, the length, the range, the talent that has been upgraded, that was begun in the class of 22 at the linebacker position and mm. a defensive back position. Mm. Why? Because Marcus Freeman was the defensive coordinator. That's so right. we are extremely thankful for the screen poppers that are showing up on the roster. Guys like Benjamin Morris. Oh, man. Like Jalen Sneed. Mm. They're just a preview. Just a preview. Just a preview. Just a preview of what's to come in That's 23 right. and 24. So we're thankful for the screen poppers. Yeah. Number four. I should have brought the sound effects. Number four. Number four. <laughs> we are grateful for LL Nation. That's right. We are extremely thankful. September 2nd, 2021 was our first episode. Man, and what you guys have been able to do for us 
And like John talked about just years ago, this wasn't even possible. Wasn't even possible. And for us to have the pleasure to wake up and talk about the school that he played for and the school that I've been a fan of since diapers is literally a dream come true. That's right. And it's all possible because of LL Nation. You guys are the best. The, the best. way you chat, converse amongst each other, and the way you even welcome in fans of other teams. I saw a USC fan in the chat today. We welcome everyone, all opinions. We respect you as long as you respect each other. We spin it different. Number four, definitely, LL Nation and everyone that's tapped in to support. Number three, we are thankful for Kenny Minchie. Because, boy, I thought this 23 class was going to end without a quarterback. Man, oh, man. Woo! I was getting nervous, too. I said, we're going to go out like that, huh? We're just not going to Man, bro, people don't understand how we were counseling each other, bro. Yeah. Trying to make each other feel like it was going to be all right. That's right. We found our, we found our, we finished the right way. Yes, sir. Kenny Minchie, my brother. We are thankful for you. Thank you for just help making us wait to the last second. From you the Pope. That interest. Yes, sir. Straight from the Pope to South Bend. We appreciate you. We got the Pope in the, we got the Pope in the class yes, now. Andersonville. Pope in the class. Golden tape for, for, for building the road from Hendersonville right. to South Bend. We appreciate you. That's why you got to call that alumni that at four for 40 come in handy in recruiting off the field 40 years from now, four years later, whatever Absolutely. it takes. Man, you might as well throw his parents in there who happen to be Notre Dame fans. Look at thank that. Even when he was committed to pick, thank you for having Notre Dame games on in the house. That's thank right. you. <laughs> you, put the you put the pressure on mama and daddy. Pressure on them. Thank you. We thank you. It was so much pressure. He called up the school like, man. Hey, he called up the school like, because my parents won't leave me alone. They keep talking about y'all need quarterbacks. And I was over here just practicing. Yes. I got it. So they made me call you. Oh, you know, do y'all need somebody? And just on, just on call. I said, you know what? We do have a hiring sign in the front. Absolutely. Come on, check us out. Absolutely. Check us out. Mom and dad, it was like, thank you. <laughs> yes, sir. So coming in at number three, Kenny mentioned. Number two, thank you for being out of a toxic relationship. Could have been a good relationship. Could have been a good Had some good times. Great but time. towards the end, you didn't want us, and we didn't want you. And we didn't want you. We're glad you left. <laughs> thank you thank you it doesn't matter what you're doing don't care about your record nope. take your toxicity down to the bayou and have fun bayou. with it and have fun with it yeah yeah and that's okay because you know what we uh we shed the skin to to bring on a new life mm. you know, we had to had to shed all that that excess you know they say your body restarts every 11 what every 11 weeks or something like that so we just need to shed that little toxicity out and then embrace what our evolution end up becoming and that was marcus free 
and it's just good to see, man. Good to see. Love it. And number one, drum roll. There's nothing better than new love. As Mary J would call it, real love. Real love. Real love. That real love that Marcus Freeman gives to the Notre Dame program, fans, his players, and everyone connected. That's we right. are thankful for Marcus Freeman, which means we have to thank Jack Swarbrick for be having the faith That's to right. take that step. Yeah, it's been rocky. It's been up and down. But guess what? The future's bright. The screen poppers are on the way, and that natty is on the way. So that's the number one thing we're thankful for in this season is Marcus Freeman and how he's changed the perception of Notre Dame and is truly appreciating and loving Notre Dame the way it deserves to be loved. That's right. Lucky Lefty Podcast, CFB Nation, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Go hit the automatic download right now. Tap in. We love it. And you know that we spin it different. Fantastic show. We thank John Garcia. We talked about the CFP rankings. We dug a little bit into NIL and how it impacts Notre Dame with John Garcia, along with the transfer portals coming up on December the 2nd and December the 5th. Been a great show. Hope you have a great holiday. We will be live for about 30 minutes tomorrow. 30 minutes. We're going to give you 30 minutes on the holiday. That's that's how much we love you. I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm going to give you 30 minutes before you dive into that food on the holiday. Dive into plate one before noon. Right. You know what time it is. Petticoat. Petticoat. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic Petty Junction? Junction Petty Story of the Day brought to you by Nor Whiskey at norwhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey at norwhiskey.com. I'm going to be petty for a moment. We appreciate Roger Dodger in the chat. He's obviously a USC fan. He's trying to, you know, be funny today, but he's failing. We don't give a darn about Elijah Page. <laughs> we knew he was lying to us. We knew he wanted to go to USC, but he believed you stunk. That's why he wouldn't commit to you. When he saw you winning games, then he came back. We don't care because we're about to flip somebody else that we like better. Mm. So you can have. You just see, we just flipped the quarterback. It ain't nothing to get a tackle. He didn't want us. So we don't want him. And we don't want you. One thing I can say about Notre Dame offensive linemen, they're much better in the pros than yours. Mm. I'll leave it at that. Much better. Making more money, looking better. I saw, I saw his little sly comment about NBO line. Maybe he wasn't talking. Maybe he was talking about the old line that's coming on Saturday night for their heads. Maybe that's what he was talking about. If so, I apologize. But 
I'm sorry. Yo, Patrick Beverly, you got to go on the petty train, bro. <laughs> hey, he wanted to smoke so bad. Yo, look, Pat, Pat, Pat Bev, stop, man. Uh, look, bro, like, I understand. Devin Booker stood over your boy, walked away. DeAndre Aiden was talking trash, stood over him. He was looking, looking for a problem. He he bumped it and was turning around like what what oh, like a crazy dude. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> hey, they wouldn't pay him no attention. <laughs> I take full credit for him being from Chicago on today. I'm not even running from it, left. I'm not gonna run from it. That's Chicago. Cause everybody's like, where are you? What what's your problem? That's, right, that's all the I'm, only I'm one sorry. getting held back by anybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, P Ben, Petty Trey, man. Thank you for the super chats. James Bucker. I love you guys. God bless everything you put your hands to. Man, we thank you for that blessing upon us, James. Go Irish as always. Thank you. We appreciate you the same back to you. Dave Littlefield. Happy Thanksgiving, you both, and all the LL Nation. Go Irish. David, thank you so much. We appreciate you. I got Jason Hewlett. I'm thankful for the death of the double <laughs> safety blitz. May an RIP forever. Uh, we'll see. Well played, Jason. That's right. Well played. Well played. Uh, I ain't afraid of no goats. Thank you. LL, you know it. Appreciate you. You're going to drop that website soon. I'm telling you guys, man, before that Black Friday sale, hopefully. MTH, thank you for Sean and Malik this Thanksgiving. We thank you. We appreciate you. Thank you for the support. Absolutely. (laughs) That was great. Yes. We're thankful for the double safety blitz being called. Man, because that could have saved a lot during the season, shoot. (laughs) Man, everybody, great holiday. Have it. We're going to give you a mini show tomorrow. Don't miss it. It might be a little bit earlier, so we can let you guys watch that 11 o'clock football game. But we're going to come on. We're going to dig into the game a little more. And then we'll be back on Friday with Malik's three keys. Stick to the script and our predictions. Have a great holiday. We appreciate you guys. But most of all, make sure that you spend it different. See you tomorrow. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.